You're listening to Packers Talk Network. Packers Talk. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your game tickets from the longtime trusted source in Wisconsin, Ticket King. Visit their locations in Milwaukee and Green Bay. Just go to their website, theticketking.com. Again, that's theticketking.com. Packers Therapy. It's Packers Therapy, it's Chris and Dave, and the first weekend of the NFL playoffs are in the books, and it looks like, in fact, it doesn't just look like, it is a fact, Packers will be playing Seattle Seahawks, Lambeau, uh, 5.40 p.m. Sunday, Lambeau Field time for the kickoff. Dave, how do you feel about uh, the draw that the Packers got? Well, I found myself cheering for Minnesota because I didn't want to play the Saints. I just felt the Saints were a complete team, right? very good quarterback, good running game, great wide receiver, um, and I think their defense is, is really good. Um, so I just felt that that Drew Brees, even in the cold, I just didn't want to face him, and I felt that they you know, they play the kind of offense I want the Packers to do, and, and uh, I, I just felt they were have been a better team all, all year. Um, but then when I saw, okay, so Minnesota won, which we can talk about that later, I really was hoping we play Philly because I, I just can't yeah. handle another loss to Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's going to be the way the refs are going these days. It's going to be something that the refs are going to blow. It's going to just – I could just see it coming that uh, it's not going to be a sweet revenge game. Uh, I think this is – you know, it, it, it doesn't seem like there's a reversion to the mean in the NFL. Otherwise – uh, the Saints would have gotten an offensive pass interference call today. Um, and I just feel the Seattle's had our number. And they have a few things that they do um, that hurt the Packers. I think the a few things on their good defense. I don't like it that Marshawn Lynch is back. Um, I, I'm nervous about the game for sure. Yeah, I am too. Uh, Pastor Kevin on uh, Twitter uh, was uh, active this evening after the um, – uh, we're, we're doing this on Sunday night, so it's just a couple hours ago. Uh, Pastor Kevin, very confident. Uh, he can't see the Packers uh, losing at home. At least he doesn't think that's going to happen. Um, I think Seattle is probably an easier draw than the Saints, but I don't think it's an easy draw. And the Packers have struggled against pretty much everybody they've played. They won 13 times. you got to like that. Yeah. But, you know, they, they really haven't. Uh, you know, shown themselves to be a dominant team. So I don't see any reason why we would expect an easy out here uh, from Seattle. And Russell Wilson having a great season at one point. I think he was in the conversation for MVP. He still might be. Uh, The guy's at the height of his powers. Uh, I'm not as concerned about Marshawn Lynch as you are because just a month ago he was, you know, bartending at a a tailgate party. So I, and when I saw him play today, he, he looks bigger and slower than he did in his heyday. Uh, now, of course, enough the week to prepare, and you know, I still think he's a guy you you know don't take for granted. But you know, he's been out of the game for a while, uh, so I'm not as worried about him as I am the fact that we've always known Russell Wilson to be a playmaker, and he may be a little you know flighty and goofy in, in some ways off the field. But the the guys the guys a baller on the field, 
And like Drew Brees, he's a guy who who get the who who gets things done. So I I don't think this is going to be um, easy for the Packers, even though they're at home in January. Uh, I think this is going to be a tough game for them. I think it'll be a close game. Um, I could easily see the Packers losing, but you know they have had the week off, and that's going to help. And being at home is going to help. Seattle had to go across country to play in Philly. They got to go back to Seattle, and they can halfway across the country to play in Green Bay, and and that's going to be a factor as well. So, you know, I I don't, I guess I wouldn't be surprised to see the Packers win this one, Dave. But if I uh, am going to put down, you know, some of the money that we get on PayPal, uh, I'm probably going to put it on Seattle. You would with the so that's one of my questions later. Um, is the Packers look to be a four point favorite as I yeah. as I look on now and. Yeah, I can see it being a very close game. I mean, the things that really make me nervous, you, you're right, Russell Wilson, uh, I can see Zadarius or Preston Smith having a sack, and his he just squeaks out of it, you know? And yeah. um, I just, Marshawn Lynch, I can see him dragging Martinez down the field, you know, 20 <laughs> yards. Um, I just, I, I didn't see every play of the Seattle-Philadelphia game, but I saw the touchdown he had, and I thought, yeah, that's that's not great. And I saw him catch a couple balls out of the, out of the backfield, but... Did you see the size of DK Metcalf? I, I guess I haven't been paying attention to Seattle that close, but I saw the catch he made, and then they showed him um, as a kid, and then with his shirt off. Did you see that guy? How big he is! I who's matching up with DK Metcalf? I I don't know what his uh, measurables are, but he looked like he was seven feet tall. Yeah, um, you know, I I did not see the shirtless picture of which you uh, refer. Uh, but yeah, uh, this is a big guy. I, I'm not worried about it being an insurmountable matchup, uh, problem. I mean, they, they've got enough, you know, matchup problems along the way, and that's not going to be easy. Um, but I don't think it's, it's insurmountable, especially if you get a good pass rush. Uh, Wilson is terrific at, as you mentioned, scrambling away from sacks and throwing on the run. You know, that's, that's a problem. So yeah. I think I think the best way to defend Metcalf is, you know, not just flushing Wilson, but getting him on the ground. Yeah, well, it, it, that'll be a big stat is how often can we get to Russell? Um, you know, when you get him moving, he's he's pretty dangerous. So just getting pressure, um, you know, I wonder how they're going to play against it. Will they just rush four? Will they try to put, you know, blitz at all? I mean, they haven't really blitzed much to, uh, at all. Um you know, I just I was surprised at Metcalf because I, I did I thought the receiving core for Seattle was you know I had Tyler Lockett on my fantasy team he was pretty successful um, but I didn't think they were very dangerous and I knew they lost a lot of running backs and um, you know and, and Philadelphia's defense is good Seattle scored 17 points um, I don't think that it's going to be a blowout where Seattle's offense just you know right. crushes I think it's going to be a a pretty big defensive game. That it'll probably be cold. What's the weather like there uh, right now? I'm sure it's a uh, uh, toasty twenty some degrees. You... Yeah, the temperature right now is actually thirty degrees in okay. central in, in central Wisconsin. Um, but it was one of those um, people from the Midwest, especially yourself, who's been a lot of time in Wisconsin. It was a classic winter day, overcast. Uh, we got a period of kind of a, a rain mixed with snow kind of period, you know, for a half hour or so. Um, this is what you get in January, and I wouldn't be surprised um, if that's the way it's going to look a week from now. The advanced forecast, I think, calls for a little bit colder uh, temperatures. The last I I looked was um, 
let me see, was supposed to be in the upper teens. So if that's the case, um, you know, then I think that's an, an advantage uh, for the Packers. But, you know, Seattle, you've been to Seattle. I mean, this time of the year, it's it's not real special there. I mean, they don't get the same kind of snow. But, you know, you're talking about upper 30s, lower 40s, you know, with kind of, you know, rain and gloominess. So it's not going to be that big of a difference unless some reason we get ice bowl kind of weather. Otherwise, it's, it's just going to be a little bit colder variant of, of kind of what they're used to in Seattle. Well, what I'm hoping, well, I, well, first, gloomy in 30s and gloomy in the teens, I think that's a big difference. That's, that is, it sucks. Uh, I'd rather be inside to get me inside as quickly as possible. I mean, being in the teens, uh, that's, that's very cold with no sun or anything. And if there's any wind, it's, it's terrible. Um, and is there any way we can slow down Seattle from throwing the deep ball? When they threw that deep ball to DK Metcalf, I felt, you know, one of the, I think the Packers still weak spots is, you know, when teams throw deep, it's, uh, we seem to have our corner seem to lose the ball. And I don't know if it's a factor of, um, our, our safeties or if, you know, with the rookie playing or if it's, you know, maybe Amos can can bring a little bit more experience and, and help on that. But I, I fear the deep balls, kind of the jump balls down the field that I feel like Seattle, you know, I, I go back to the 2014, the very last or, you know, almost, I think, I guess it was the last play. Was it to lock it? Was he the guy that caught that ball? Uh, Have you just flushed that from your memory completely? Yeah, you know, I'm not sure. Was it Golden Tate? No, I know it wasn't Tate. I think it, it, it could have been a lock it. It could have been someone else. But, um you know, I just I could just picture you know Tremont Williams close, but not quite close enough to to stop some deep balls, and that's the difference in the game. So if it's cold, maybe some of those deep balls are a little bit more difficult to to catch. And then it's uh, you know Ken, who's a who basically has a better short passing game, better running game, and I think Aaron Jones. I like my chance with Aaron Jones versus um, I guess Travis Homer uh, rushed for. Uh, 12 yards on 11 carries, and Marshawn Lynch rushed for six carries for seven yards. I mean, but yeah. I know my buddy that is a Eagle fan said that they have a very good run defense, so maybe it's a factor of that. But if that's if it's really cold and it kind of gets down to January football, which is a lot of run, I, I like my chance with Aaron Jones. So I would pick the Packers to win two. I think it's going to be low scoring, and I think it's going to be a close one. Well, I just looked at the uh, uh, forecast for next Sunday, and it's going to be warmer than uh, the forecast that they had a few days ago. Now it's looking like, uh, at least in central Wisconsin, 27 um, okay. and, most, and mostly cloudy. Now the game is going to be um, at night, too. It's going to be dark by the time the game starts at, at 540. Uh, so temperatures maybe in the low to mid-20s at that point. The overnight low, 22. So maybe you're looking at 24, 25. But again, I, that's not that bad. I mean, no, it's, it's not, uh, you know, I no. mean, it's 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 not going to be the kind of, you know, brutal conditions, you know, 14 below zero or something like that. Uh, so I, I don't really think the weather is going to be that much of an issue. Uh, I do think the point that you mentioned about, you know, Packers being able to stop a downfield game, you know, they've not been great at that uh, this season. They've been better when they've been able to get pressure on the quarterback. Uh, but this is a this is a guy who's who's special and can elude a lot of that stuff and still make great throws on the run. So that that's going to be a real challenge for them. I, I'm not as worried about the running game. I, I just don't see Lynch as a threat. Uh, they're without their, their main running back, uh, Carson, uh, out for the season. Uh, so I'm, I'm not as worried about the ground game. But 
if they're not able to get pressure on the quarterback and not just pressure, but pressure that, you know, forces him to throw it away or to get sacked, uh, not just flush him off his spot. Uh, I think, I think they're going to have a problem in the passing game. And this is a defense, Dave, that we've seen that has difficulties against the explosive play. They give up, have given up a lot of explosive plays this season. Yeah. Well, it's going to require Aaron Rodgers, obviously to have a, a good game. I, I I think he I don't think he has to be 2010 Aaron Rodgers, 2011 Aaron Rodgers, but he has to be better than 2019. He needs to be a 2020, which I think if you average those two, I think would be enough. I mean, I think the Packers have to score probably 21 points. I could see Seattle scoring another 17 like they did today. Um, and you know, I don't I, I'm not real familiar with Seattle's defense. Uh, I think it's probably pretty good. They still have Guys on yeah. there that, it's, uh, you it's know, it's not the Legion of Boom anymore. It's, it's, no. it's not that good. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if their secondary is as strong as it has been. Um, but I feel like they, uh, they're a decent defense. But, you know, I think at home, Packers should be able to score 21. I think if they score under 21, I think it's, it's, a, it's a jump ball as, as to who wins this game. Um, I guess as I'm thinking through it, I guess certainly it's a better draw than the Saints. I think as we come through this weekend, I think the Packers are in better shape. Um, it's really interesting to see if Minnesota has any chance to beat San Francisco and San Francisco. I, you know, Minnesota is a strange team. You know, they have a good defense. Their quarterback is very hot and cold. Uh, they have position players that are good. Um, it's really the play of the quarterback, how cousins plays. Can cousins kind of pull it together for a game against St. Fran? I don't think so, but man, if we could get Seattle and Minnesota at home to get to the Super Bowl, that would be you know what that would be, Chris? That would be very lucky, and that's what this season has been. It's been about luck. Um, and, you know, the other thing that could happen for the Packers, and I was really – I was trying to pay attention a little bit in the Philly-Seattle game, is someone asked me, who am I cheering for? And I'm cheering for injuries. Yeah. I want people hurt. <laughs> I want them sore. I don't want them exactly. – You know, it feels like um, – I saw a couple of injuries. Um, I thought with Carson Wentz went down, I thought, boy, yeah. I don't know if he could pull that out. That would be very typical of the Packers this year. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, they're getting Seattle. You're right. They're going to be dinged up. The the travel, you know, it's too bad they don't have to go west. Oh, uh, because that you know, is, that's that'll in, kill you. Yeah, yeah, so going east is much easier than going west. Um, well, you know what, Dave? They have to go west to go back home, though. Well, yeah, but they – that's true. But yeah, they don't, yeah, see? they're not playing in Seattle. They're coming east to Green Bay. That's uh, – I don't know. So. No, but- after they've had that long flight west, though, just a week before, I, I don't know, Dave. Uh, it's going to be yeah. tough because that that air that's a that's got to be that's probably a three and a half hour, four hour flight from from Philadelphia. I mean, that's oh man, I don't know. I don't. Yeah, I, that's I, you're right. It's another time zone. That's true. That could yeah yeah the, the jet lag may be that long. It might not be settled by by. Did you say a Saturday or Sunday? It's Sunday. Sunday game. Okay, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, you don't recover in a week from that kind of travel. No, no, no. I, when I fly out to like San Francisco, I, I take that week off and you then take I the next to... week off. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I, I actually book myself into a rehab facility. <laughs> yeah. Right. I go through a detox. I check myself into urgent care, you know, right away. Exactly. It's hard. Exactly. It's hard. It's, it's, it's terrible. And that's why the Packers could not win in Los Angeles or San Francisco. This, it's that long flight. Yeah. Well, we, that's we gotta hope Minnesota beats San Francisco. We got we really have no no shot. But um, yeah, I I think uh, I think all said and done, I th- I feel you know if the Saints came out and just you know clobbered Minnesota, I'd be very nervous about next week's game. I I have 
some hope, but a lot of it, it depends on our offense playing efficient and smart and, you know, no turnovers. And if, if this comes down to a, um, you know, down to the last, if it's tie ball game going into the five minutes in the fourth quarter, it's 20 to 20. I'm turning it off because I know Seattle's winning at that point. I, I, I want Packers to come out, score two touchdowns on their first two drives, and then step on their throat and finish the Seattle. Um, I do not want to leave this up to Wilson in a weird play. I don't want to leave this up to the refs making a call to see which way it goes. Um, you know, I think I want the Packers to, to stomp them and then see what happens next week. Well, you mentioning about um, Aaron Rodgers, and that has been – Huge topic of uh, conversation uh, on Twitter uh, and on sports talk radio, on podcasts, is, is Aaron Rodgers. And so the email that we received uh, this week, uh, first from Stephen Curry, and I forget, is he go by Steve or – I think it was Stephen. I think he's written to us in the past. Anyway, um, Stephen writes, like you have been watching football a long time. Every time a quarterback is not accurate, the coaches and ex-players say that the problem is footwork. I'm sure practicing something as basic as footwork only gets more tedious as a player gets older and more experienced. Would it be sacrilegious to suggest that a smart, arrogant player with a history of using his athletic ability to make plays might be not as dedicated to those basic drills? I would argue that those drills become more, not less, important as a quarterback ages. I don't think it's a coincidence that most of these successful aging quarterbacks are notorious perfectionists. And here he mentions Manning, Breeze, and Brady. I'm assuming he means Peyton Manning, not Eli Manning. <laughs> yeah, Archie. Anyway, yeah, yeah that's well, Archie, as he's aged, his footwork has gone to hell. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so anyway, he says he's... He can hardly make it to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and that's why there's blue chew, Dave. I, 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 I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Anyway, he says he's interested in our opinion. He wants to know, is this sacrilegious or possible? Um, yeah, um, I think it's it's definitely possible. I I don't know if it's a case of laziness so much on Roger's part as the fact that his mechanics have been what they've been. For a long time, um, as I recall, he one of the things he got from Brett Favre was you know Favre was all over the place with how he threw the ball, how he moved his feet, he'd be in the air, back foot, all that stuff. And I know that he did it because he wanted to you know bail out and not take the full brunt of hits, and it worked for him real well. And it's probably worked well for Rodgers too. It seems like Rodgers looked at what Favre did to prolong his career and to keep healthy. And he never likes to really step into throws or plant his feet, uh, even though, yes, that would probably make him more accurate. But that's just never really been the way that he's played. I mean, he's he's like Favre that way. So I, I don't know that he's gotten lazy in practicing his footworks and his footwork and fundamentals. I just I just don't think he's ever really had the classic sound of footwork and fundamentals and you know he saw he saw what happened to Brady when Brady stood in the pocket stood there planted his foot and you know then in the second game of the season you know got somebody that smacked into his lower leg and you know goofed up his leg and he missed the rest of the season uh Rogers saw that everyone saw that 
And so they're really hesitant. That's why they made a rule in the NFL that you can't hit the quarterback low anymore. And so Rodgers wants to continue playing. He wants to continue you know, drawing a paycheck. He wants to continue adding up stats. And so he's, he just is not going to have that classic footwork. So, yeah, it's possible. I don't think it's sacrilege. I just don't think that's a part of Rodgers' game. Yeah. And by the way, you mentioned Tom Brady. I, should we take a moment of silence for the Patriots fans who um, – do you see the reporter that asked yeah. uh, Belichick, um, you know, the fans have been with you thick and thin. Do you have anything to say to them? And Belichick said, I don't think we've had much thin around here. It's, you see, yeah, that, was, yeah. that, that was classic, and it was so <laughs> true. It's like they feel there's been thick and thin in New England. They, this is the first time they played on Wild Card Weekend in a decade, you know? And it's yeah. like, oh, all, all those hard times. Jeez. Uh, they did go 16-0. and 0. You know, there's, every year they've lost a couple of games. I mean, it's, it's really rough. Um, and they've got to go west all the time. You know, they, they've really got it tough. But uh, – so I just wanted to, you know, say how how sad I feel for the Patriots fans out there uh, that you will no longer be watching the AFC Championship with your team in it. Um, but yeah, for Roger on the oh, on the Patriots, you save your Rogers side because you're talking about the Patriots. Now they went out and got Mohamed Sanu. Yeah, yeah. And that didn't mean squat. And and that's what I'm talking about. Everyone's saying the Packers need a true number two. Look what New England did. They went out and got this. It didn't mean shit. You know, I mean, it's just I, I think people really overestimate that. And I'm going to I'm going to hold on to this because the Packers have an offense that is predicated on scheme and the scheme should mitigate what you have from your receivers. You don't need guys to be nifty and get themselves open all the time. The scheme is supposed to do that, but you need to have a quarterback who's going to play within that scheme. You don't need great receivers in this offense. In fact, Tom Brady has been doing it without great receivers for a really long time. And because of the way they play and the way he's conditioned, they can get by, you know, and they have up to this point. The dude's what? 43 years old. Yeah, his expiration date is probably is probably stamped on his butt right now. Okay. So that's I just want to I want to get that off my chest because there's all these people. Oh my God, the Packers, their big downfall is they don't have a great number two receiver. No, their great downfall is they're not using their scheme the way they're supposed to and scheming guys open so they're wide open and the quarterback can hit that guy on the run seven yards downfield and he runs it for another six. That, to me, is the problem, not having some kind of supremely talented number two receiver. Well, okay. Um, I saw the tweet, and I, my first reaction is, I think the way people are phrasing it is, you, you could have done what the Patriots did and given up a number two pick in a draft that is really deep in wide receiver next year for Sanu, and look, Sanu gave you, you know, limited stats in the season, did nothing in the playoff game. But I, to be fair, it would Sanu be better than MVS or Allison? You know, could, could he, you know, I don't know. He didn't much for New England, who throws well, to Edelman, but, you know, but every Lazar's other play. Receiver. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry, be other guys. yeah, I don't think he'd be any better than Alan Lazard. No, I don't. Well, we don't know. Or, you know, it, it still might be fair. Lazard still could be two if, if Sanu was a three. You know, would that make our offense better? I we don't is that know. Second round draft choice for a number three guy who you well, might if, not have going forward. I mean, that's not worth it. I don't know. I mean, if 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 we had a receiver who lifted our offense to be 
fifty percent better, let's say, or thirty percent better, would that be enough to win a Super Bowl? I would give a number two receiver all day long for another Super Bowl because you know it is so precious to get. It's so hard to get to this. You, you exactly. might have an all. That's why you don't do it. <laughs> That's well, exactly but you're, right. You're, you're, you're playing for the future all the time. It, it's, it's always let's be great next year and next year. Well, you know what? You might get a great receiver and just nail it in the draft. And Aaron Rodgers hurt next year. And then Aaron Rodgers comes back, but now he's not quite as strong. And, and then this guy gets hurt. Um, so, you know, you just can't plan on that number two guy. He's going to be great. He's going to come in. I, I'm, I agree that I don't know that they've lost a ton. And I agree with you that the reason the offense isn't doing great is more that the quarterback doesn't seem to want to fit in the offense the way they want to have it. But, you know, MVS misses a ball right in his, his arms yeah. down the yeah. field. Uh, he's got Allison drops and fumbles balls. You know, it, it, we will see. But, you know, certainly the offense doesn't seem to be working for or some reason. And, um, you know, if you'd have got Emmanuel Sanders – Instead of Sanu, would that have been worth a second round pick? Well, he wouldn't be in San Francisco. He'd be on your team. Um, you know, maybe he would get Aaron Rodgers' trust, and so you know that's it. Somehow things click. I don't know. I don't. I don't think you can just automatically say, "See how stupid that was," because Sanu didn't do much for New England. That's just my thought. Yeah, I also don't think that you that you can say you know putting it all on twenty three red is is the way to play that. I mean, you want to have as many chances as possible to win the thing. And when you're in the playoffs eight seasons in a row, you're going to wind up in the NFC Championship game three times, let's say. Okay, because that that is what the Packers did. Um, now, they lost two out of three of those, but they got the opportunity to play there because they were playing this long game. They were getting rid of guys in a very New England way, a year too early rather than a year too late. And what they didn't do, what Ted didn't do, is that he, you know, didn't try the free agent market. And that probably, that maybe made a difference. But the smart thing that they did was make sure they made investments in younger players and given them, the good ones, a good uh, second contract. That, I think, is really, is really a smart way to do this because the more times you're in the playoffs, the more time you can have the magic carpet ride they had in 2010 and the 2011 uh, Super Bowl. 2014, 2016, they lost. They should have won in 2014, but still, they got themselves there. And if you're always playing for this year and right now, you're not going to have as many chances to get that far in the playoffs. And, and so a guy, you know, in your line of work, I know you diversify what you do because you're guarding against downside risk. I mean, that's, that's smart. And I would manage an NFL team or a baseball team the same way. Well, but Ted did diversify. He, it was all draft picks. It was all right. young oh, guys yeah. and, and I, churning in I young agree. guys over and over. So, I you agree. know, I, I think agree. some trade, some free agents, you know, obviously draft, you develop your own. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be like for, for every Sanu, there's a Zadarius Smith. Now, that's not a trade, but, you know, you're, you're paying, you're, you're front loading, you know, hopefully for seasons now. So you, you got to make good decisions. But I mean, you, it's but you don't overpay in your line of work, right? I mean, I guess you're not, you know, necessarily on the paying side all the time. But the point is, is the same. I mean, yeah, it would be great to make that trade or to, uh, you know, make an investment in a contract, but you don't want to overpay because that takes resources away from what you can do later on. And I, I my objection isn't so much, you know, going out and getting you know, a Sanders or a Sanu or a, a number two receiver, as much as it is the cost of what doing that 
is going to mean. Next year, or this draft coming up, what do they need? I mean, they need they, they need a receiver. That's true enough. But they're probably going to need somebody to replace Brian Bulaga. And they're probably going to start to have to looking at a quarterback. Well, if you give away one of your top picks, you're not going to be able to fill one of those, those upfront needs. So I, I guess I would be really hesitant in what I pay to get some of these things. And I, I don't know about you, but... I don't think this team is good enough or close enough that I'm going to say, ah, hell, I'm going to overpay because this team just needs one more thing to push it over the, the top. Not the way that they've been playing. I don't see that. Well, I, I, so I'm not arguing against that point. I'm just saying, look how stupid New England is for signing Sanu. And he, you know, you just saying automatically that would have been our experience. He came in and done nothing, and uh, and it would have been a wasted pick. One I don't know how he'd have done here. And two, there's no guarantee that that second round pick is going to be anything better than Jamal Reynolds or someone else. I mean, it could be a complete yeah. bust. Yeah. So it's it, there's unknowns on both sides of it. I, I think there are times when you say, you know, we've we've got something magical here. Uh, let's go ahead and pay up a little bit to to try to make it this year, and maybe pay a little bit for the future. I mean, there's certainly examples of times where. Um, you buy something today to to you know, maybe give up something more tomorrow. I mean, I, I think that's that's a that's all part of the GM's decision is to to try to figure that out. I mean, you don't having good draft picks is not a guarantee for any success. <laughs> Look at Cleveland and Buffalo. Um, you know, for years now, Buffalo's has a good team this year, but um, you know, it, I think diversification works, and I, I think having a trade once in a while to beef up. Uh, you know, we see it with the Brewers. It, would you? Do you disagree with the Brewers or the Bucks when they when they do that? They sort of always you see these teams in baseball. They always go kind of solidify their team going into the second half when they're doing well. Do you think that's a bad move for them? Well, the Brewers don't give up a lot in trade typically. I mean, well, the guys, good, uh, the, the guys and, they get you know. well, but the the guys that they get they tend to get them on the cheap. And they use them in such a way that they cover their deficiencies and they emphasize the things that they do well. I mean, that that's a classic example of a team that that shops value. You know, I mean, well, they, yeah, they, as, they as a, because they have to. Yeah. But when they got yeah. CC Sabathia, or we're, we're way off Packers therapy, but when they got <laughs> when they got CC Sabathia, you thought they, you know, they paid up for that. Or uh, who is the other uh, guy from Kansas City that they got? Um, you know, they, they went for broke and, and they didn't win the World Series, but they tried. Um, You're thinking of Zach Greinke. You're thinking of Zach Greinke. Yeah. 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 The, the Zach Greinke uh, trade was, um, yeah, was dear. But they're getting a young, uh, Cy Young Award winner. They had a year and a half to go on his deal. So, or, or actually two years to, to go. They traded him after a year and a half. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, some of those things make sense. You know, Mohamed Sanu is on the other side of the mountain. You know, he's not. Well, it he's might, not, he might be a bad example. Yeah, he's not an ascending player, and so giving up a number two for a guy um, who is at best a number two, um, I I don't think that makes sense. If you've got a guy who is who is emerging like Zadarius Smith, that was a good signing because that was a guy who was still young. He was 26. Um, you know, they could see something there. Okay, but when you're getting a guy on the other side of that, you're you're kind of paying for his past worth. It's a it's a Jimmy Graham kind of situation, really. Yeah. You know? No, that's right. I mean, there, for every Sidarius, uh, there's a Jimmy Graham too, right? It, it's it's not a perfect science either way. I think you know, you, you you can't go into seasons completely deficient 
um, of certain positions, which I think Ted did a couple of times. Or, you know, for all the draft capital that he kept, it felt like we were starting a lot of undrafted free agents. So, I mean, what, what does it matter that the draft, how important is it when feels like, you know, you end up getting two or three starters after the, the draft is over anyway. But um, we want to go back to Roger's footwork. Yeah, let's go back to Roger. I'm sorry to take us on that detour, but you had <laughs> mentioned Patriots before I forgot it. Uh, I just wanted to mention that. So anyway, I just wanted were, to make fun of Patriot were, fans. Well, yeah, and now's the, the time to now's the time to do it because it it feels good when the yeah. Patriots lose. That's all I it, can say. Yeah, it really does. It's, so uh, you you were about to light up. Um, uh, 12's footwork. So please, yeah, don't no. stop. Well, I was going to say, you know, I don't think his footwork has ever been classically good, right? And then I think what happens is when they show it, it's either, if it's a good pass, it shows, look how amazing he is. What an athlete. Like he's mm-hmm. throwing off his back foot and he threw it at four yards on, on a rope, you know, right to the receiver. And then when he makes bad throws, it's like, wow, you can see his footwork. You know, he's not stepping <laughs> in his throws. So I, I don't I don't really know if he's ever um, I. But, you know, there's something is wrong because like in the Detroit game, he missed a ton of guys. And I guess in the in the post game in his mind, he said, look, I thought those the throws were good and, and it didn't happen. And then I see on Twitter a couple of times, you know, you look at him throwing to like Lazard downfield and Lazard kind of cuts his route a little sharper. And had he maybe not cut it as sharp, uh, maybe the pass would have been there. So maybe it is still that you're playing with. Lazard and MVS. I mean, these are young guys who this isn't Jordy and Jennings and Cobb that that miscommunication it's it's that's what's um, hurting. It really does feel that, you know, if we would have had Cobb this year, that 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 could have helped the offense. Yeah. I, you know, I just yeah. even as him as a three or four, um, you know, having him, I think would have helped this offense. It's, it seems a shame that they, I mean, he certainly wanted to stay that picture of him crying. I mean, why it seems like that was, I would like to let Jimmy Graham go and keep Cobb. That would have been, uh, I don't know if financially that would have made sense, but I, I don't, I, to me, the footwork is, it, that's like above my pay grade. I just can't figure out if that's an issue or not. I, I think the idea that, Hey, Aaron, we want you to come into practice a little early and work on your footwork. And he's like, uh, I'm drinking scotch uh, the night before, so I'll be, I'll be coming in when I want to come in. I think that's uh, very possible, too. So, um, you know, age and all that kind of stuff. So I, I don't know if it's that footwork is like an aha. It's, it's footwork. That's the problem. Or if it's just a combination of all these other things. Yeah, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to know from a technical standpoint. I just have observed that. One of the things we like about the guy is his ability, you know, to throw on the run and to mitigate some of those big hits. And, you know, you know his footwork has just never been uh, textbook. And, then, and I think that's, that's not a bug. I think that's kind of a feature of, of Aaron Rodgers. And maybe as he's gotten older, it has become an issue. And I get that. I mean, maybe that's one of the things he's going to have to adjust now that he's 36 years old. Uh, so I, I guess I'm not... I'll, I'll go back to saying I don't think it's sacrilege. I think it's certainly fine, you know, to 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 question the the future Hall of Famer. Uh, but at the same time, I just I just don't think it's a departure from what he knows how to do, what the the game that he knows how to play, you know. So um, anyway, there's another email that we got, uh, and this one was from Peter, not from the Trash Man. This is from Peter McClellan, and um, he said that he is. Uh, 
you listen to our last podcast, he's had some thoughts about Aaron Rodgers' play under LaFleur, and he says, I have a feeling that Rodgers' poor performance may very well be explained by the fact that he's learning a new offense. And I think we have discussed this on the podcast. For comparison, Peter went back and he looked at Brett Favre's numbers in 2006. That was McCarthy's first year. He said that they were almost identical to his stats, to Favre's stats from 2005. Moreover, Favre's stats did not improve during the Packers' four-game winning streak to complete the 2006 season. He struggled in all 16 games of 2006. But then he went on to have one of his best seasons in 2007 during McCarthy's second season. Um, So he says he's not willing to believe that Rodgers is unable to play at the level he did two years ago before his collarbone injury. In short, he says, learning a new offense as an NFL quarterback is difficult and probably takes a full season. And I don't disagree with that at all, uh, Peter. I think that, that we have... We have discussed that. That's one of the reasons why I thought the Packers would be around 500. I picked seven and nine because that's who I am. Uh, and I thought a main reason would be because of the transition to this offense. Instead, things you know have smiled upon them and things have come out very well and they've gone 13 and three. But you can still see that you know they're they're struggling with the transition this offense and i think it's harder for an older quarterback like Favre was when McCarthy was new and like it is now for Rodgers you know he's learned um, a certain kind of system an interpretation of the west coast offense that you know McCarthy had inherited from people and made it his own and Rodgers became an expert in that that's what he knew how to do in the same way it was uh, for Favre, you know, he had Holmgren and then Sherman ran the same kind of thing, and he had to transition to McCarthy's way of doing things. So, yeah, I think that is definitely a factor, and it will take time for him. But the fact of the matter is um, he's had two collarbone injuries. He's had a knee injury, a broken bone in his leg. Uh, he's had hamstring and ankle problems, taken a lot of hits. He's had a couple of concussions. Uh, his medical list is long. It's maybe not as long as Brett Favre's, but it's long. And next season, he will turn 37 in December. He'll play most of the year as a 36-year-old. Uh, we've seen two quarterbacks in their 40s uh, do well. They both, I guess, lost this weekend, but still, you know, had good regular seasons. I think Aaron's still got some good football in him. I just don't know if he is going to be willing in the second year under LaFleur, if he's going to be willing to basically become kind of a check down Charlie. I mean, to go for that guy slanting across the middle and the ball's only 10 yards in the air, you know, is, is he going to be willing to, to do that? Or is he always going to be looking for, yeah, but I can get this guy down here for 17. I mean, I, I think it kind of, it's a mindset and maybe the mindset worked better under the schemes that McCarthy had. I don't, I guess we'll find out when next season rolls around. It sounds so strange because as you get older, you would think the the check down Charlie sounds more and more attractive. Like get the ball out of there and take less hits. Like why wouldn't you naturally welcome a a coach that gives you the ability to get hit less? Um, But that's what we have to to see. I I don't know. I wonder if this year is humbling for him at all. I saw there's some ESPN list of the top 12 Mm -hmm. quarterbacks in the playoffs and Aaron was 11. 11th, yeah. (laughs) And uh, and I think in the description it said he is no longer an elite quarterback. I, oh, I mean that's got to be painful, Mister Chip on my shoulder, Rogers. That must. Uh, but it, does that make him feel like I'll show them? I'm going to throw yep. 
yep. more passes downfield, yes. not less. Or, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know why he doesn't say, you know, when I look at my body of work, when I really check down to every receiver, I had a perfect passer rating one time. I threw a three-yard pass to MVS and he ran for 80 yards. You know, that 80 yards goes into my stats. Um, I, I don't understand why he can't sort of just, just do that. But, you know, is it that it's more complicated than that? Because, look, it's a new offense and he can't look from one to two to three options as fast as he could with the old system. It's very possible. Age and system and talent and wide receiver, mm-hmm. you know, all those things. It, it, um, it could be right. Exactly. I mean, it's not one thing. It's probably a half a dozen things that all play into this. Uh but you're, I think your mindset is exactly right on this, Dave, is that he's, he's probably thinking, I'll show him, you know, I have been underestimated my whole life. I wasn't able to get a college scholarship. And then I, you know, then I just sit in the green room for four and a half hours. And I just sit behind Brett Favre and I'm going to show him, you know. And I, I think that you never really kind of get away from that. You know, I, I have, have worked for a guy, um, you know, who has that same, you know, kind of, kind of mindset is a guy I, I used to work for. And, you know, he had some, um, you know, tough times coming up and he overcame a lot and he succeeded in life. And whenever he faced a challenge, that was his mindset. Oh, you know, was, oh yeah, well, I'm going to show you. And he would double down as opposed to kind of like find a new way to uh, find accommodation within a new set of circumstances. You know, he would double down on what he's always done. And I think there's just, I don't think it's uncommon. I, th- I think there there are people like that, and it's informed by your experiences as a human being growing up. And I think Aaron Rodgers, you know, might be might be one of those guys. But you see, you see Tom Brady, and the guy never gets touched because he never has to. He the ball is out of his hands so quickly. I mean, yeah, sure, he's got a fine offensive line, but the way they've structured that offense, you know, he he gets rid of it quickly. Drew Brees gets rid of it quickly. They don't take a lot of hits. You know, they. They don't have to, but that isn't Aaron's game. I mean, that's for, for Aaron. That's almost like admitting defeat. You know, yeah. if you if you can't get the big play, if you settle settle for for something, move, moving the sticks just you know is bland. When you when you left twenty four yards out there, and you you just got eight yards enough for a first down. That I think he views that as kind of a loss. But yet, when he had his best game of the season, a perfect passer rating, he didn't have Devontae Adams on the field. Yeah, so. Maybe they should make Devontae inactive for the game. <laughs> well, I, I guess, you know, the ability, the willingness to throw to multiple options. We should go back to that game and see how many catches were for each, uh, each receiver. Because I'm, I'm guessing, if I recall, I mean, there was a lot of short passes. He threw to a lot of different receivers, um, and he just really didn't key on any one person. So we'll see. I wonder if, you know, they've got two weeks to prep. You know, is is it two more weeks in the new offense? Is you know, is there certain plays that they like that will that they've as they go through their review? Is there some things that they can kind of recognize? Like, look, we spent half the game throwing down the field in Detroit. That ain't working. You know, we're we're doing this. Um, we'll see. But I, I I am really gonna I'm speculating. You know, what will we feel or what will the the media fans say if we play Seattle and we lose a close game because Rodgers had an Another bad game, a quarterback rating of 72 again. Um, you know, so now we have a whole offseason of being stung by Seattle again, and uh, and it's Aaron Rodgers' fault. You know, quote. Um, I wonder how difficult this offseason is going to be, and how much, 
you know, squawking. We're going to hear about getting a new quarterback and everything. It's it'll be probably pretty ugly. Um, so I, I think I hit. I mean, we're not probably getting another quarterback anytime soon. So I hope he has a good game because uh, I think it'll be a very long off season if he doesn't. Uh, here are the stats from the Oakland game, the game in which Rodgers was twenty five of thirty one, four hundred twenty nine yards, um, long of seventy four. That was the MVS. And 158.3 passer rating, a perfect, a perfect game. Um, there were eight players that caught passes, um, and the most catches. Jones. There were, there were four players that had four catches. Graham, Allison, Jones, and Williams all had four catches. Lazard had three, and then Scantling, Kumaro, and Vitali each had two. I mean, uh, the most targets. Allison targeted five times. Williams targeted five times. Everybody else, these were the targets. Four, five, four, five, four, three, two, two. Yeah, I mean, that you know, sounds mean, beautiful. Yeah. It is, it, is, it is absolutely fantastic. Eight different guys have catches. Uh, you, the most targets is five. The least targets is two. I mean, it's, it's, it's absolutely incredible. It was, it, was, it, was a beautiful, it was a beautiful game. I mean, the guy did really well. And, you know... I know that they game plan based on who their opponent is. And that's one thing that this guy does that the other guy didn't do. But damn, I mean, you, you would think that every game you have that as a baseline. You know, we're, we're not going to target one guy 13 times. You know, we're going right. to, you know, maybe target that guy seven or eight times max. Right. Um, but that, that to me, I think that was their most impressive offensive showing of the season. I think so, too. And, and why you're right. Why they're not saying, OK, let's. Should we use the game where your quarterback rating was 72 to model or the one where you're 158.3? Yeah. Um, it seems that LaFleur is probably saying one thing. Rogers is like, nah, I'm throwing downfield and I can get 158.3 the, the hard way. So, yeah, um, uh, yeah I, I just, I just, uh, that game was, was really special, was special for Aaron. Um, but if you look at, at the distributions, and that just isn't what they've done since Adams has uh, been back on the field. So, yeah. you know, before we get to the, to the betting lines and anything else you want to talk about, I have to ask you a question. Uh, is Sean Payton wasting the best years of Drew Brees' career? <laughs> that's what I might know. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, uh, I've seen that too. You know, Brees has won one Super Bowl, and uh, I guess we don't hear, although I don't hear uh, Saints therapy. Um, yeah, so I, it's possible that on Saints it. therapy, that's what they say. We're wasting Drew Brees' prime. You um, know, they had, they had three years in a row where they were seven and nine with a healthy Drew Brees, and they tolerated that. That just would not play in Green Bay. Yeah. Well, they certainly have to put up with a lot because they got screwed again this year with that uh, non-offensive pass interference. Did you feel like that was a pass no. interference? Nope. Did, no. I, I did not. Nope. Did not feel that was a pass. I thought that was kind of how how it's played in the NFL. I mean, it was it was minor, but you know, on, on pretty much every play, there's always going to be hand fighting and guys jostling. It was it was a close call, but it was not egregious like they got screwed last year. The thing last well, it wasn't that bad. No. Yeah, I mean, now that, but that's what replays for is to correct the egregious ones. This one was was really really close, and but I, here, you know, yeah. but. Chris, the NFL had the ability to sort of rectify the mistake they made last year. I mean, they, they made the ga- a rule change because of that game. 
this was a game where this comes into play at the end. And it wasn't a guaranteed win. It just gave them another play. You could have at least given them something to say, at least mm. the, the year of suffering we went through of, of no. totally getting screwed no. in the Rams game came no. back and helped us a little bit. You know what I think happened is I think those refs, as that game was going on, I mean, if you watched that second half, it seemed like every play was against the Saints. It was one thing after another. And I, one time he was, he was announcing the foul, and he paused because the boos came so hard. I think those refs were told, when that game's over, you hit the tunnels and you get out of there. And I think as soon as that was a uh, score, I think they got out quickly. And uh, New York, I guess, said, we looked at it. It's, it's fine. Um, I don't think they wanted the refs going back. I think they wanted to get them out of there. I, I don't know that for sure. That's my speculation. Because it was a weird ending. It wasn't it was like it wasn't like you saw the ref under the tent or waiting for New York. It was um it was just they talked about it, they showed the replay, and they said, Oh, I guess they reviewed it and it's and it's a game over. So I, I think something really weird happened there. Um, that we may or may not find out about. But I, I think they were trying to protect the refs. I started to see stuff being thrown from the stands onto the <laughs> field. So I thought, you know, I wonder if they're going to, like, charge the field because um, it's the second it, season in a row. But it wasn't It wasn't egregious in the playoffs. A, a good example is last year in that they don't call a lot of stuff, especially down the stretch in the playoffs. Hey, NFL has done this for years where they swallowed their whistles. There's been Super Bowl games that have been decided on things like this. They they kind of tend to let them play late in the late in games in the postseason. I mean, that's just the way. I don't know. If, I don't know if it's conscious if they have a meeting and they and they tell them that. I'm not exactly sure, but it's been that way for years. I mean, the the Patriots in particular would, you know, undress guys late in the fourth quarter. You know, and yeah. I mean, it's a lot of a lot of times that goes on. So I, I, I didn't think this one rose to the level of last year. I think it was a good no call, uh, and I'm sure Rao that New Orleans radio is being lit up with calls for firing Sean Payton. Uh, this guy's gone stale. He's been here too long. His message isn't uh, being heard anymore. Uh, the game has passed him by. He's wasted the best years of Drew Brees' uh, career. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure that's all going on now. No, the fact is, it's probably not. And I don't know why Packer fans played that card, played it with so much gusto when you have the exact same situation in New Orleans, and you know this guy, you know, is getting a pass for a team that lost in the a home game in the postseason, you know? So I, I, people are given passes in other places that they just don't get in green Bay. I, I, do, do you know that for sure? I, 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 what are the fans in new Orleans saying? We don't know. And I will, I will defend my thought that McCarthy's message was stale and he, we needed to move on. I, and I think, uh, you know, I think we need a new approach from Ted and from McCarthy. I think I, think I think I know what they're saying in New Orleans because I can read it in the paper and I can read it on the ringer when, you know, guys write stories more than you know that the message from McCarthy was still in the locker room. I mean, unless you're hanging out in the locker room, I know you're a shareholder, so maybe you're allowed those privileges. Uh, but I don't think any of us know that. I mean, we've heard that and it's been repeated to the point where it's become accepted truth. I think the problem was the quarterback. And, you know, he he wasn't he wasn't down with the coach anymore. And that spread cancer like through the locker room. That's what I think. Yeah, well, that's I guess that's part of the stale. You know, he no longer had the locker room. Um, I guess 
whether it's one player or that Melton to the whole team, um, uh, that this is a <laughs> this is a very long argument that we've had over time. We, it's moved on. McCarthy's now on his way to maybe Dallas, maybe uh, Cleveland. I know how all of a sudden Car- McCarthy's it's a Carolina hot and New York too. Yeah, he's he's at four. Uh, head coaching uh, interviews. Uh, I don't see him. I hope he doesn't take the job in Dallas. I mean, I, th- I think that would be a death sentence. Cleveland's ownership is totally screwed up. I yeah. mean, that's that's a bad scene. The New York uh, media would eat him alive, though. I would think so. But, you know, he's got a good young quarterback there. And that might be the most interesting job of them all. And, yeah, he would have to deal with the New York media. Um, but I, I think given that there's a good quarterback there. I know Baker Mayfield's good, but that ownership in Cleveland is just toxic. Yeah. So, I, you know, I I know the guy is hungry. I know that he'll sign a four or five-year deal for like 40 million bucks or, or something. So whatever he does, is, he's going to be fine. But I just think in terms of his professional uh, situation, uh, there there are some situations that are better than others, and not just more conducive to winning, just conducive to sanity. Yeah. And I, I think uh, Dallas and Cleveland are bad uh, situations, and I think Carolina and New York are better. Well, and any situation is better than him yelling at high school oh. uh, refs oh. uh, basketball games. So it's a lot of frustration hope. there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there was that. Do you see the interview with him where they asked him if he said, I, "We this we I need football. This family, yeah. our my family needs me to yes. be coaching football." I know uh, my family needs me to be away from the the house uh, that, often. <laughs> that's, that's I think that's kind of what he's what he's saying is that he he probably wasn't the easiest guy to be around. He was a you know a, a, a caged tiger pacing yeah. around, and you know I I think that's probably why he blew his stack. I mean the guy needed some kind of outlet. Maybe that's why he convened that what coaches club or whatever the hell that thing was where these kind of with these kind of has been coaches sit around and break down tape you know and um, <laughs> it did it, it, was, it made me want to cry i mean it, i think he it, was, it was sad yeah. it, it, it was sad to see these guys like like being the shadow government kind of you know and <laughs> and you know just yeah well you know like i had nothing to do today i guess i could play golf or i could go break down some tape with mike yeah. you know and 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 that's kind of what it what it seemed like um, so Jim Haslett was there and, uh, the, the guy they had as quarterbacks coach, uh, last year was there. And, um, so maybe those guys are going to be on his staff if he winds up getting a job. But I, I really, I really do think, uh, that that's kind of the code there that the family needs this. I think they need him at 56 or 57 years old. They need him to be doing something other than, you know, driving the kids to school, going to their games, yelling, yelling at the referees. I think they need him to be out in the world. Yeah, I think that's right. Right. I wonder if in those uh, coaching uh, little mini clinics they're doing, he's come up with the idea that uh, we'll run, you know, it wasn't successful on 20 yard go routes. We'll do 40 yard go routes. We'll do 50 yard go. Routes. We're, we're going to, you guys got to beat your man. That's we'll, we'll just, we're going to be all in on that strategy. Or if he's uh adapted to kind of the new offense. Well, you know, it'll be interesting that, to see. That, that strategy worked really well when you had, you know, great receivers. When you, when you, yeah. When you had like your five, four or five, four, four or five, at least deep, you know, I think Jordy Nelson was their number like four or five, uh, the year they went to the super bowl. Yeah. Um, you know, and so you know, when you've got 
Greg Jennings and you got Donald Driver and you got James Jones and you have this this rookie, you know, second year player Jordy Nelson. I mean, yeah, you can run that offense to, to great success. So if McCarthy's smart, he'll look at the talent he has, and if he doesn't have those kind of players, you know, then he's going to come up with some kind of scheme that is going to make that that passing game work. Or if he has some kind of big brute kind of you know running back, maybe they goes on a team that drafts Jonathan Taylor. You know, maybe they emphasize the run. Maybe oh, that's the, the oh, epiphany that. that he's he's going to have. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I saw yeah, a tweet that someone know. said with McCarthy going to Dallas. They said. Uh, Fantasy football owners that have uh, Ezekiel Elliott is are very concerned <laughs> at the moment because they'll never hand the ball off to him. Um, you know, he he's had time to think things through, figure things out. He certainly could adapt and change. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's he, well, uh, he's he's going to have to because he's not going to have Aaron Rodgers. He's not going to have the ownership situation he had in Green Bay. Uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of different factors, and so if he's going to be successful, if he's going to survive. He is going to have to change the way he thinks about the game. He also, for better or worse, is not going to have Ted. And, you know, Ted was a lot of things that were infuriating, but Ted was also very, very steady until stingy. Well, stingy. Uh, Uh, We we need to go back to that. Yeah, it's uh, you're right. He could he may have a GM who may give him um, a more diversified portfolio of players that, that maybe it's. You know, if he goes into Dallas, they certainly have pieces there. Yeah, that, but who's uh, their GM there? Uh, I think it's uh, Jerry Jones. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, see, yeah. <laughs> that, that wouldn't give me a great sense of comfort. No, no. I I hope he doesn't go to Dallas. Yeah. Well, I just, I mean, I, I want the guy to have a second act, um, but I just don't think he's going to get it in Dallas. And un- until they straighten out their leadership and ownership situation in Cleveland. I mean, this John Dorsey thing was a, just a, just a farce. Yeah. So I, 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 you know, I mean, that's, that's a really good general manager. I don't think they made a great decision on the coach there, but their general manager is solid and the, in the office he built is solid and, you know, to have the, the owner and they've also got Paul D. Podesta uh, is also a part of that front office. He's the Moneyball guy. I don't know if you read Moneyball or not, but you know he was a part of Billy yeah. Bean's office in Oakland, um, yeah. and you know, and you know, I I know data driven in baseball. I think that might make a little more sense than it does in football in terms of applications. And it sounds like De Podesta won the the power struggle there, and that tells me that you know here you have uh, ownership that is not going along with the football people it's going along with the stats people a guy with a baseball background and that that just seems totally screwed up to, to me and and so i'm hey it's mccarthy's a big boy he'll make his decision but i don't think that's a great environment for him to be successful well i kind of hope he goes there because i would cheer for him in cleveland i'm not cheering for him in well, new york no. dallas carolina you Fair know, enough. if he can be Fair successful yep. in the afc uh, turn the Cleveland around and, you know, if at worst we'll face him in the Super Bowl or every once in a while in the season, you know, that, that, you know, I want to see him be successful. I feel like as much as we dumped on him, I, I feel like he's, especially after that interview, I, I kind of want to, I want to see the guy have a happy, happy second act, as you said, I, I, I'd like to see that happen. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you want to see him have a happy ending. And for that, there's blue chew. So, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Or that's, uh, 
Oh, that's what um, the Patriots owner, Kraft. <laughs> I, that's what he's I, worth. I bet you he, he made two trips down to that strip mall after <laughs> yesterday's game. Yeah. And, yeah. If, and if he was able to, congratulations. Yeah, right. At that age. At his 80s, yeah. Yeah, he, right. The guy becomes my hero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think let's do some uh, betting lines here. We, we didn't do them last week uh, because we didn't know the Packers were going to play. Now we do know Seattle's the opponent. What are the betting lines, Dave? All right. Number one. Um, I, I got to start with uh, number one being Aaron. So I'm going to ask you yep. number one total yards for Aaron Jones. Uh, you probably thought Aaron Rodgers. Well, of course. See Aaron course. that matters here this year. Uh, okay. Aaron Jones total yards receiving so, and rushing and rushing. Oh God. Uh, well, you know, as I was looking back at that Oakland game, you know, they only had 60 yards on the ground that game, uh-huh. and you know, and then it was 430 passing. So. You know, I I I know there's a the run has been fetish, fetishized uh, among football fans, especially in Green Bay. And yeah, if you if you can run the ball consistently, it can be a terrific weapon. But I still think this is a this is a passing league and a passing game. Um, so I think there's not going to be a lot of success on the ground for Aaron Jones, but if they're smart and they employ him in the passing game, like I think both of us have, have liked and wanted to, to see, I think that's where he's going to get his yards. Um, overall though, I'm going to put him down because I think the running game is going to be a little, a little bit stifled. So I'm going to put him down for 110. 110. Um, I'm going to take the under. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, just, I, I think it's going to be a, a defensive struggle. I would, I think, um, I'm thinking like, you know, like uh, 60 yards running and 50 yards receiving. Is uh, I think, yeah. well, yeah, if, although I don't like the 60 yards rushing unless Williams gets some yards. But um, if we're getting a good mix of 50, 60 yards that he's receiving, I, I feel good about the game. Uh, number two, I, I just got to come back to this because I just find it so frustrating. Number of targets to Devontae Adams. I've probably done that one a lot this year, but. Uh, no, that's just intriguing. Actually, I, I don't know that you have because he was out for a long time. Uh, but again, looking back at that Oakland game where, you know, no one, you know, got more than five targets, no one got less than two. Uh, then Devonte comes back and he's getting targeted 13 times, 15 times, 11 times. Um, I'm going to set the number at 10 and a half. 10 and a half. I'll take the over. Yeah. No, I don't blame you. No reason blame to see, you. you know, I, I, until I see it, I don't, I'm not going to believe it. Um, number three, then, uh, what will Aaron Rodgers' quarterback rating be? Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm wondering if this is going to be a little, a little bit Farvian also, where, you know, uh, Brett was less effective in cold weather, cold weather the older he got. Yeah. And I don't think that Aaron has played this late into January at home, um, well, probably at least since 2016, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember we used to say they played away, but in a dome that was actually good for the Packers. Yeah, yeah. You want to get them inside. Uh, it's probably been a while. I can't think of when he had a really great cold-weather game. Yeah. I'm it's, sure it's probably in there, but yeah, it wasn't the game we saw against Arizona. This is going to be a good uh, defense they're up against as well. 72, right, against uh, the uh, Lions. So... I don't know. I'm gonna set it. I'll set it at. Uh, let me set it at 88. 88. Oof. Uh, um. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take the. I'm gonna take the under just because I've been wrong a lot, and I hope I'm wrong. 
So I'm, I'm going to take the under. Let's let's I'll do it for uh, the team. Uh, number four, how many sacks will Green Bay uh, get on Russell Wilson? Yeah, that's this is this is a key one. I think yep. they have got to get that guy on the ground. It's not enough to move him off his spot because he's probably more dangerous off his spot than 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 he, he is uh, in the pocket. So um, so tough to bring down though too. Um, I'm going to put the number of sacks at uh, two and a half. All right, I'm going to take the over. I, I feel defensively we're going to do well, and I'm going to go with this defense. I think Zedarius gets a couple and Preston gets one, maybe even uh, Fackrell or um, Clark or someone gets another. So I, I'm going to say the over on that one. Um, okay. Number five, uh, what, how long will Seattle's longest completion be? Mm. So I'll look at the stats here. Metcalf had a 53-yarder on his uh, where he fell down, got back up, and got into the end zone. Um, I think we're going to see some long attempts yep. often. So what do you think? So now am I setting an over-under here? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I'll set the, the over-under for the longest uh, completion by Seattle. I'm going to set that at 38 and a half. All right, I'm going to take the over on that one. Um, now, I'm assuming it's a bomb, but it could be you know, a screen that goes for 40 yards. Well, that, so it yeah, could be anything, that, but. that's what's hard to, to yeah. figure out, but yeah. We'll say uh, I'm going to take the over. Um, number six, what will uh, Marshawn Lynch's uh, carry uh, yard per carry average be? Am I saying that right? He, uh, he had, he had um, six carries for seven yards today, so it's like yeah. he had like a 1.2. 1. 1. 1. Yeah, one point yeah. two. Um, and was this his second game back? I think it was. His second I think game. so. Yeah, I think last week was his first. Yeah. So the last no, game be, against San Fran. He'll be a little, a little more lathered up. Uh, defense played the run a little bit better uh, since the weather kind of turned. Um, boy, and I, I just, I don't like the way he looks out there either. But I think he'll be better than one point two. So let me put that. Um, I'll put at three point four. Ooh, that's a pretty healthy one. Um, I uh, I thought you were going to set that lower. I guess I'll I'm going to take the over. I just have this feeling in uh, he's going to get some traction going. I I haven't seen him play a lot. I, I did see the San Fran game and I saw the last you know parts of the Eagles and uh, I just I worry about him getting to the second level and uh, and having one of those classic Lynch, you know, breaking thousand tackles thing. So we'll see. I, I do have some trust in our defense, but I'm going to take the, boy, the over 3.4 is, is a pretty decent. Um, I, I'm going to take the under. I'm going to take the under. Right, 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 I don't think I've right. done that very often. Anyway, switch midway. I've talked myself out of it. I'm going to take the under. <laughs> um, number seven, uh, how many rushing yards for Russell Wilson? Mm, he rushed for uh, 45 yards today. I think this mm-hmm. is a big, big stat to keep this along with the um, sacks. But how many rushing yards do you think he'll have? Uh, I'm just talking out of my hat now. I want to. Didn't he have like 500 yards on the season too? I mean, he had he had some pretty good uh, rushing numbers during during the regular season. Where I think Rodgers had like 150, and you know, so Wilson kind of is the mobile quarterback that you know Rodgers was five years ago. Um, and he said he had 45 today. He had 45 yards. Yep. Okay, 45 nine, nine yards. Yep. I could, well, that's five yards a clip. I, you know, I could definitely see that happening again, you know, flush out of the pocket, 
you know, he's looking downfield, can't find it, runs. Um, 45 is a good number. Uh, I don't, I don't want to say that exactly, though. Um, I'm going to I'll give it a little, a little more. I'll go 47 on that. 47, I'll take the over. I'm nervous about that. Um, take the over. Um, so seven and a half. What would be the first replay they show of a mm. classic Packers-Seattle game? Oh, man. After uh, the kickoff. Okay, so there, of course, the fail Mary. Uh, there's the Al Harris uh, pick six. There's the onside kick uh, that that sealed it, the, the uh, Bostic uh, the Bostic blunder, I guess you might right, call it. Right, yep. Uh, so um, do, I, do I have to say which one it was in particular or, or just that they're going to do one? Uh, no, the very first one they show. Okay, the first one they show will be the the Bostic. Um, you think the Bostic. The, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. All right. Just to be different, then I'll say the fail Mary, and then they'll because okay, they'll go in an order. It's got to be after the kickoff, though. It can't yep. be in like a some kind of pregame reel. That's right. That's okay. right. All right. All right. Um, seven three four. Do you think the Packers will cover their favorite by four? Mm. No, I do not think so. Okay, I'm going to say no as well. And uh, and then seven seven eight. Uh, the over under is forty six points. What do you think about that? Wow. What, what, what do I think about it? I, th- I think, think it's a damn good line because that could be like a 26-20 kind of game. Yeah. Uh, I, could, I, I could definitely see that happening. Um, I think, if anything, I would, um, I would go under that. I, w- I, would, I would bet the under on 46. Okay, me too. I'm going to take the under. I think they uh, – I feel like this is more of a – I mean, this 17-9 game, I think it, it could be a lot like that. Um, I'm, so I'm, we've I'm got a lot of room from 21-17 kind of score. Yeah. yeah and it could go or, either way, 21-17. I think you're right. I, it could be all field goals for this game. Well, uh, no, that, that, that wouldn't surprise me. 21-18 then, you know. <laughs> and who is uh, Seattle's um, kicker is That's a uh, Jason Myers. I, he's one for five. He had long of 20, uh, 49 um, so he missed a field goal today. So, you know, if, if it comes down to Mason, I wouldn't, I put, uh, my season in Mason's hands this year. Well, um, you know, Lambeau's a tough place to kick. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's the wind, you know, it's the grass I think is a little slick. That's the price you pay for having it look nice this time of the year. Uh, and that could be difficult, you know, for somebody that doesn't plan it all the time. So, you know, that, that could be an advantage in a close game. And then uh, tiebreaker, number of tackles by uh, Blake Martinez. <laughs> Man, felt like he's got to get Boy. some love for. It's almost he gets, he like leads the could... league yeah. in tackles. Yeah, Isn't that crazy. Yeah. yeah, well, and the the real big question coming up is, are they going to re-sign him? I mean, he's he's a free agent, and this this is a tough one because the guy is dependable. He's solid. Yeah, I mean, he's he's probably a better version of. AJ Hawk, really, um, but do you want to pay that guy? He's he's going to get paid someplace. How much is he worth to keep in Green Bay? That's going to be a really interesting offseason uh, decision for them because they are not exactly you know uh, having a lot of inside linebacker talent. So yeah. if you don't resign him, you're going to have to use one of those early picks probably to find somebody who's going to be able to to play in that spot and also you know who's capable enough to be able to call all the defenses. So that, uh, yeah, um, 
I think you always can pencil him in for sure for 10 tackles uh, every game. I mean, that's it, kind of the, the baseline. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say <clears throat> I'll put him down for 10 and a half because I do, I do guess. Well, it, you're just tackles. guessing the number. Can you get, oh. I guess you can get 10 and a half, can't you? Right, right. Okay. Because right. they I'll, do give halves. Yeah. I'll say 11. Yeah. Um, so those are your lines for the first playoff game uh, for the Packers. If you would like to play, and I guess uh, there's some email traffic back and forth talking about how awesome uh, Mitno Miller has put together the voting, uh, what you need to do. The link that you, you click on, and I guess you, I haven't done it yet, but apparently that's a very simple process to do that um, through Google Docs or some other kind of magic that uh, he can put together. So what you do is uh, email Mike at this email address, uh, either send him your picks or maybe he'll send you the link, uh, ask him for the link, something like that. Um, but this is the important part. You need to know his email address, and it is mitnomiller at gmail.com. Are you going to sing it this time? Yes. Uh, they didn't play. They did. There's no win. It's M-I-T-N-O-M-I-L-L-E-R at Jamail. Um, yes, it's like the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse here on Packers Therapy. Miller at gmail.com. That is the email address for those who wish to be a gambling degenerate and win themselves a week in the presidential suite of the Packers, Ho- uh, the Packers Therapy Hotel and Casino in lovely Las Vegas, uh, Nevada. Yeah. Not, Not to be confused with Las Vegas, New Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. Yeah. Although maybe we should consider that considering our recent troubles. So. It probably, yeah, maybe we should uh, start applying in a different state. We might lose our liquor license as it is. Um, we have, not a bad we have idea. a liquor license? I didn't realize we even had one. Wow, that's, that's a change. Maybe okay. that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's very true. All right, well, if hopefully you will uh, uh, join us and you will um, play the lines and you'll have a good time with it. It'll give you something to kind of, you know, if the Packers wind up disappointing, maybe this will make it fun for you anyway. Um, I, I really, I really want to see them win this one um, because it's at home, because it's Seattle. And, you know, if you have to go to San Francisco and you're going to lose again in the NFC Championship game, which they've kind of risen to an art form now, hmm. um, I, I guess I can swallow that if if they can at least give themselves the chance to get there and beat Seattle, because I put them on my top five um, least favorite opponents. And In I'm all sports curious, or football? No, 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 no. It, the uh, Packers, Packers. Uh, the, the, the dirty five, or if you want, I don't know if a dirty half dozen, but the top five. Uh, my son and I were talking about this today. We differed a little bit in these. I would be curious t- to know what your... Uh, top five um, rivals, teams you dislike, what would your top five be? And I'll give you mine. If you want to do them one and one and two and two, or if you want to go back to front, that's also fine. Um, but I know I didn't give you a lot of time to think about this, but you want to give it a shot? Yeah, well, number one is the Vikings. Now, that's a good one, because that's what my son said, too. And I had yeah. to think for, for a minute, and I do agree, it is the Vikings, but I I had to think for a minute because my number two team is also one that, um, you know, I just, I don't have any love for either. So, so what is your one? My one is the Vikings is Vikings. Okay. Two is Seattle. 
Okay, now that's interesting too. Yeah, uh, I hate Seattle. Yeah, I hate them. Um, but I I have the Bears uh, as number two, uh, mainly because it, it's the history thing. But also recently, again, you know they've they've been good again here recently, and I think that there's more juice in that series, and there's something always satisfying about beating the Bears. So I will go the Bears second. Okay, uh, three is Dallas. Okay, I, I I consider that, but my number three is is Seattle. Okay, um, I I think it might go from um, the Al Harris game. Um, that was there was something about that with Holmgren, you know, uh, coaching. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, yeah. I well, mean, that's why they're my two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, there, there's just there, there's history there. There's been some hard fought games, and then that fail Mary. I will just I won't get over that. And then to make it worse, that 2014 championship game. So Seattle is my number three. Uh, number four would be the Bears. Bears for you. My number four is Dallas. Dallas. Uh, okay. Yeah. I just I mean again for me it goes back to you know when I was a kid watching those NFL yeah. championship games and those those you know um, hard fought late games. And then after that, when the Cowboys became a thing, this America's team bullshit, which I just I, – I will never be able to swallow that. That was absolutely horrendous. And then that run they had early in Favre and, and Holmgren's era, you know, where the Packers lost seven straight times, that will always stick in my craw. They were always in the freaking way. I never cared for that. Um, so I, I, I will never like Dallas for so many reasons, uh, but they do play in a different division. We don't play them every year, uh, but they're number four on my list. So I'm looking at the teams. I think my honorable mention before I give you my fifth, I mean, Atlanta is up there and Denver, um, because of previous defeats, but I guess my number five would be San Francisco. Yes. Now I'm the same, I'm the same place. And a lot of it again is, you know, is history. Um, yeah. and you know, it goes, it goes back to the, the, the Bill Walsh offense was a thing to behold. It was really, it was so different than what we were used to. And I became extremely jealous and I hated them. Uh, that whole, you know, West coast thing was just, uh, and then, you know, the Packers had some pretty good brawls against them. They did pretty well though. I mean, they had the, they upset after the 95 season in San Francisco. Yep. They we beat them twice. There. Yep. Yep. They beat them twice to go to the Super Bowl. But then there was that stupid Jerry Rice fumble game. Right. That will just never sit right with me. And then and some then the of this. Kaepernick. Re- yeah. 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 That, that was just, that was insulting. And the coach they, they had, you know, Harbaugh was just, yeah. he was so punchable. So yeah, there, there is some, some definite, Bad blood. So San Francisco's number five for me too, and on my honorable mention list, uh, this is where I start going to the other conference, the Patriots. I just, I yeah. just, I just, I just hate them. But so that's they, not. There's yeah. no rivalry there. It's just no, no, no. It's, it's, it's just, it's just more of a hate, just more of a hate thing. But the other teams, the Packers play on a regular basis. Um, so uh, Vikings, Bears, Seattle, Dallas, and San Francisco, and for you, it's Minnesota. Minnesota, Seattle, Dallas, Bears, San Francisco. So we have the same teams, just but, different. Order. But in, in, in different order, yeah. which means... Funny, we don't have Lions. <laughs> Lions, we play them twice a year. Yeah, I know, but... <sighs> I know, I don't... Yeah, I don't. it's just... Yeah. If they're on TV, I don't cheer for the other team. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's... They haven't done... In my lifetime, you know, they, they have 
never really been a thing. I mean, they made the playoffs a couple times under Wayne Fonts, right? And yeah. they a, a couple times in you know when they have had Matthew Stafford, but they've really you know I mean they had some players, Barry Sanders, Billy Sims, you know I mean they had some guys. Eric Hipple. <laughs> that's true. They did have Eric Hipple. Gary quarter. Danielson, <laughs> Megatron. You know, no, that's a that was a good player right there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they just never had a team that rose to, I hate those guys, you know, and it just kind of tells you the state of the franchise when I, I don't think they'd be in my top 10. Even, you know? <laughs> I it's, know. I'd probably go like, well, like I said, Denver, New England would be up there. Yeah. Um, I might even pick like uh, Kansas City ruined a perfect season for us in 2011. Yeah, I mean, I have to yeah, go deep. yeah. Um, for uh, for Detroit, Philadelphia has got a couple. Oh, of... I, I would I would put Philadelphia way ahead of um, Detroit. Of, of, yeah, I mean Philly. I mean that was the fourth and twenty six game, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, that... yeah. And, uh... and 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 for those that go way back, that was the 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 NFL championship game in nineteen sixty, where uh, Packers wound up you know driving for a touchdown and getting stopped on the nine yard line, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of history with, with, with Philly, but there's even more history with, with Detroit, and yet I just can't seem to care. <laughs> <laughs> that, that has to be the, the most insulting. It's not hate. It's apathy. <laughs> well, I, I also – the game we went to with Dr. Klaus, um, and it was um, – they lost on a – it, it was when they broke the long streak, the 22-whatever yeah. wins in Wisconsin, and, and, and they lost because there's a mishit on the – field goal and they wound up losing i was so happy for the detroit fans who were sitting behind us i know i remember, I remember those, those guys and i had so much respect for them coming to lambeau field buying the tickets being there showing up wearing their lions gear and they had lost so many times in a row i was actually glad for those guys well i think we all carried them out of the stadium like uh <laughs> on our shoulders it was uh we we're all so happy for them that's how <laughs> that's how much we don't care about the Lions. <laughs> so anyway, if, if you have uh, ideas about, you know, who your uh, Furious Five are and, uh, you know, people you just don't like, uh, maybe, maybe they're the same as, as mine or Dave's, uh, maybe got them in a different order, maybe there's somebody that we should consider to put on our lists, but you can send us an email, uh, PackersTherapy at Yahoo.com. By the way, Dave, you know, that's also the same address that you need to send us money via PayPal. No that way. Yeah, no. How, that's how convenient. Yeah, that's I it know. makes it so simple. Whoever set that up was a freaking genius, is what I think. Yeah. Yeah. So Packers Therapy at Yahoo.com. It's both our email address and the address where you can give us money, especially if you are the CEO of Blue Chew. We're still working on that. Uh, no luck so far, but uh, you know, we persist nonetheless. Uh, any pop culture or anything else you want to touch on before we uh, Head into uh, the week of preparation. Uh, pre- preparation. Preparation. Uh, yes, uh, for Seattle. Yes. Preparation H. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, the only pop culture I really have, I've been reading. Um, I got back into, I got a Christmas gift, uh, Stephen King book, Dr. Sleep, which is also yeah. a uh, major um, motion picture that I have not seen yet. I think it's no longer in theaters, but um, it's the sequel to The Shining, and it's oh. I think of The Shining, the movie, as being one of the creepiest, uh, most bizarre, yes. sort of s- most symbolic movie ever. And then to read the Stephen King um, 
uh, sequel to it in the book form, it's like this is not nearly as significant as that movie. I don't think I've read The Shining, but uh, it's uh, it basically takes the story of Danny and as he's an adult and kind of goes into what happens to him after that. And it's just nothing can compare to that movie. <laughs> it's so so uh, creepy. And and there is I don't know if we've ever mentioned this before the documentary where they get into all the symbolism of. You know, it ranges from that. Uh, who is the director? Um, Kubrick. Stanley yes, Kubrick? Stan- Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. It went. It, the symbolism ranged from uh, he was trying to signal that uh, the moon landing didn't really happen; it was fake. To uh, <laughs> you know, the plight of the American Indian. To uh, you know, it's just so much like a symbolism, and that they went into. Um, that's a. If you like The Shining, that documentary. I think it's like Room Two Seventeen or something. It's called. Yeah. It's whatever. Um, room was yeah yeah that that, Two, that old lady yeah yeah um so anyway uh it's it but it's a fine book to read on a christmas uh vacation uh it's not very christmas like but um <laughs> that is my pop culture that really the only thing i've done any different i did start watching uh the second season of you uh ah, you inspired yeah. me to do that and i will say that you know it's not great um but it's not bad yeah and i think a lot of netflix series comfortably puts me into this mediocre spot that I that I'm comfortable with. Um I mean HBO is is kind of like where all the good shows are but I don't need a great show all the time. Sometimes I just want to just be sort of comfortably numb and Netflix keeps feeding me shows that um kind of fit that not great but not bad. But you know to me bad is anything on CBS, NBC or ABC. That's like that's garbage but and HBO is like I gotta save up for that and kind of savor it show by show. But Netflix is kind of like the meat and potatoes of my life of my viewing. And uh, you is right in there. It's it's kind of it's cheesy, weird, dumb, f- fun, whatever. Um, uh, so you you got me into it. I'll watch it to the end. And uh, it's so unlikely all the things that are happening in this show. Um, but I'm watching that anyway. That's why it's fun, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I there's a couple things I've I've um, I fit I finished up this the series of uh, the Deuce, uh, which is dark and sad and it's it's very good. It, three seasons on HBO. It's, uh, David Simon, the the guy that did uh, uh, the Wire. Yeah. Uh, and it's yeah it's it's a uh, it's a hard it, it's a hard watch, but it's a, it, it it's a good watch. Uh, I also uh, absolutely just blew right through the most recent season of the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And I, I'm 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 all in the tank for Rachel Brosnahan, you know, girl born in Milwaukee and all that sort of thing. Uh, and also Tony Shalhoub, Packers fan uh, from Green Bay, uh, plays her dad in the show. You might know Tony Shalhoub from Monk. He he yep. was played Adrian Monk. Yeah. Um, and so. That that's a very good series. I I've been on that since it uh, since it premiered and um, like I like that one a lot. Uh, this season is just kind of more the same sorts of things. It's a it's a easy show to watch, but it does raise you know um, a lot of questions about you know about privilege, um, especially at that particular time in American history. It's late fifties, early nineteen sixties. In the same way that Mad Men uh, was set in a similar time period, and it also had a lot to say about. Uh, you know, gender equality and racial equality in New York City and probably in all of America at that time. So I think this is a good show. Plus, it's funny as hell. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's great. You know, 
Alex Borstein is she is a gem. She is absolutely hilarious, and she may be to me the real star of that show. She's outstanding in that. Um, but what I what I want to single out um, is um, episode seven, season four of Billions, and um, it's a um, installment that's called Permanent Damage. I believe is what it might be called. No, I'm I'm sorry. It, it's called um, uh, in Infinite Game. Infinite Game. It's the seventh uh, installment, seventh episode of season four. Now, Billions is incredible in many ways that some of the other shows that we've talked about are. Maybe not as incredible as you. Um, it's it's you would know more about its its realism. But there's a lot of amazing uh, twists and turns in this, and and the writers have doubled down. Uh, it's another show uh, because it's New York set that's interesting just to watch in terms of the of the clothes and in in the scenes and the sets and you know the opulence. Uh, I guess it's a little bit like uh, Succession that way. Yeah. Uh, but but this particular episode, and I know people have tuned out now, so I'll just maybe just talk to you about this. Um, what really got me about this particular episode is the way it contrasted what people want out of life and how it is very different when your basic needs of money and even beyond that, you know, that you have more than you need. And so you're not really working to make money at this point. It's about other stuff for you. And sometimes we forget that other people's lives are different. And the protagonist of this show, uh, played by Damian Lewis, who's a, he's a hedge fund uh, owner, and he is he goes to the guy who runs the pizzeria that he kind of grew up in in New York City, and he's kind of given him money in the past and propped him up to keep it open. And the guy is an older guy; he's probably in his seventies, and he wants to retire. And he he talks he talks to the Damien Lewis character about retiring. And again, the guy the guy's his name in the show is Axe, and Axe can't understand why this guy would want to retire. Right. He said, well, I said, well, maybe you can go to Florida and, you know, five years, you could get somebody, you could transition and, you know, maybe take a couple of months in the winter down there. And the guy doesn't want to say no to him because he's been, he's been, Axe's been so good to him. He's supported him and he, and he likes him personally. And well, he's so, kind of a dangerous dude too, a little bit. It's like, you almost, but you don't want to say no to him. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to cross yeah. Him. You don't want you want to cross him, but I, th- I think that they have a personal relationship that goes back to when he was a kid. I think. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it takes Axe's girlfriend to tell him that you know everyone's not like you, and his girlfriend's a billionaire as well, and you know you and me that have that have money, and you know we're we're in it for the game and for and for the win and for other things other than money. This guy, you know, he wants to sell his store and he wants to go. And live in the, in the sunshine. So Bobby asks him, "Hey, he says, hey, what do you want? What do you want to do? You know?" And he says, "Well, I want to get up in the morning. I want to go get an espresso. I want to play some bocce ball. You know, in the evening, I want to walk along the beach, and I want to get up the next day and do it all over again." And he and I think Axe finally realizes that everyone's not like him. And I think when you live a life of privilege, you forget that a lot of us are just you know trying to, to work until the point where we don't have to anymore. And it's not about, you know, these high-level games of revenge that people with money can afford to do. 
So I, I was really, really taken by that, uh, mainly because I, I know we've talked a little bit about that. You and I are looking forward to the day you know, where we're going to be able to tell people to shove it, and we're going to go and buy that movie theater in Kansas or whatever it is we're going to do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, and, and we're going to, you know, and we're going to live the kind of life that, that we want to do. And so we're going to do whatever we have to do now to get to that point. And it's not about, um, you know, like one of the characters in the show, he's, he's an old guy and he's, you know, doing this real estate development and he's breaking rules and getting favors from people and having his son, who's the attorney general of New York State, you know, call in favors to help him get fa- uh, favorable permitting and all this kind of stuff. And this is a guy with tons and tons of money. He doesn't have to be breaking the rules and, and soiling society, but it's who he is. And it's it's really interesting to to see that, you know, we're all human beings, but we all have different motivations in life. I thought this episode did an absolutely great job of showing this. And there's also a subplot where the when one of the characters has a falling out with their father. And, and the reasons that they have this falling out is, is based on money on one level, but it's actually based on their understandings of each other from a time when this person was a kid and how all that comes into play. And, you know, uh, we, have, we, we all have those. We all have parents and we all have relationships with them and some are better than others and some are really difficult. And, you know, having gone through some things in my life recently too, that sort of brought up, you know, some of these sorts of memories. Billions is not the kind of show typically that I get a lot of emotional insight from. It's not that kind of show. It's more of a show... Uh, about man- maneuvering, manipulation, uh, revenge, people getting over on each other, plot twists. It's entertaining as hell. It's easy to look at, but I usually don't get a lot of insight. This episode, episode seven, season four, uh, a lot of insight. It, it may be for me, Dave, it, it may be what International Assassin was. Really? Leftovers. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't that good. I mean, that, that's one of the greatest episodes yeah. of television ever. This, though, for Billions, I think was its very best episode because it's so accurately mined some of the things below the surface that is more than just, um, you know, wealth porn kind of things. Yeah. You know, it yeah, was yeah. really more about the emotional stuff. So that's, uh, kind of, that's long-winded, but it's a, it's a terrific show. Well, it's kind of the question you bring up of legacy. You know, do you, you know, if you have the ability to go to the beach and play golf and, you know, have a couple of, vodka sodas and go to sleep and just do that day in day out like it's great but you know do you want to have a leg like i think legacy is a is an important question do you want to is it family is it you know do you want to help others do you do you want to just you know have the most toys at the end of the you know it's i thought that's how i sort of see all of them you know with the acts and you know what is what does he want i i guess legacy is really the only thing he needs to strive for because he's got all the money that he can, can handle and Taylor, you know, wants to, to start her own firm. And yeah, I, I feel, and that's a they're, good question for all of firm. us. It's their own firm, Dave. They're, yes, that's, that's correct. Um, they want to start their own firm. I um, don't uh, live in the college campus. Um, <laughs> in my Catholic healthcare surrounding, that's not, I'm not reminded of that. that often. They do a really good job in the script. They always, always, always refer to that person as they or them. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. 
that that is uh, I, I have not experienced that in my uh, personal life, which I I think I would I would mess that up all the time. Yeah, uh, I would too. Yeah, only the, by the fact that for fifty years I've been doing it one way, and I'd have to switch it. Um, anyway, but it, it's a it's a I mean it's a question. I was just having dinner tonight with a a friend that uh, asking ourselves, you know, what what is it that we are working for? You know, what are we, what what do we want? As I'm in my now fifties, you're in sixties. Like, what is what is the future hold? What do we want to do? How much? How do we balance enjoyment versus responsibility? Um, yeah, I, that now we're going on to uh, human therapy uh, yeah, but, beyond. But that is what this what made that episode so good is because, yeah. and, and maybe it's given you know where I am in in my life, and you you ask that question. Bobby Axelrod says to his girlfriend at one point, "Well, I I don't want him." To you know, have that meaningless life in Florida, you know, where you go there to die, and that's all you're doing is you're getting ready to die, and and so his 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 attitude comes from a place of concern for this person, but seen through the filter of his own experience, not through the experience of the guy that ran this pizzeria and stood in front of a hot oven for 40 years, and he, he wants he wants to be free of all of that finally, and. It does raise that question. I mean, if you're the sort of person um, that's wired in a particular way where you have to be in the workforce doing something that's meaningful and productive as you define it. And I, I work for a long time, as you know, Dave, with lawyers. There's a lot of lawyers that just never retire because it's not a job. It is more of a vocation. It is the thing that you do. It is your calling. And 65 years old doesn't matter. 70 doesn't matter. There are clients that want you. They have you know, your expertise. A lot of them will slow down. They'll go up counsel, but they'll typically keep clients because it's a way of life. It's what they do. You and I worked for a guy that hung on a long time in his career because he didn't, he didn't see worth or value for himself if he couldn't put on his suit and sit behind the desk and come to work and be the boss. He needed that. Of course, once he did retire, he couldn't believe he didn't retire sooner. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, so he was wrong. But, yeah. but, there, but there are a lot of people that just can't, that just can't see that. Uh, I hope that you know, I, I, I live long enough to have that um, decision to make, you know, that I, I get to a point where I'm healthy enough and it becomes my choice. Am I going to stay or am I going to continue on in this? I know if I'm in a financial position, I think I'll, I'll almost certainly – uh, you know, punch out, assuming that you know we don't have war and the markets tumble and all that other stuff, and you know they'll they'll keep me working longer. But um, I, I I guess work has been more of a means to an end uh, for me rather than a a calling and a vocation the way it is for some people in the ministry, um, yeah. doctors, uh, other professionals, lawyers. I mentioned, you know, my wife is. You know, she could retire, but she's a social worker and she has a mission. She has a particular calling. You know, she does mental health, as you know, in 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 the one of the local county jails in this area, and she, you know, believes she's making a difference. And this is a calling for her. If it was me, I I you know I'm done when I can, because I I work the whole life so that I don't have to work my whole life. If you know what I'm. Yeah. Well, it, it, that's you know that I hope for my kids. You find a profession that it's not just a job; it's something that you know is fulfilling and and you love to do. Um, but you know it's hard on both ends. I mean, you have to retire at some point if it's 
those lawyers that uh, work up until the end, um, I guess they're helping people to a degree, but um, it, you wonder if they've given up something of, of some enjoyment at the end, too, that they spent with families because um, you know, they're working a lot. It's a tough call. It's definitely something as I hit 50, for me, it's like now I'm hitting uh, halftime, which I don't know if I mentioned <laughs> halftime the book, but there's a book called Halftime that kind of sets up about you know, the first 50 years of your life, you work on accomplishing things. And the second half is you try to be significant in kind of transitioning from one to the other. And uh, that's definitely been something I've been thinking about a lot and trying to think of what my next 10 to 15 years might look like. Well, I'm uh, midway through the fourth quarter uh, in yeah. my <laughs> – You're getting in, the overtime? In my time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, think, I, think, I think we're kind of looking at that. And, you know, the other thing too as, as – uh, and I know that we've lost a lot of people at this point, but uh, there may be some people that are older, maybe Tom and Judy, who have retired out in California, and there, and there may be others. Um, you, you get to a certain point, and the enthusiasm you had, may, maybe even the energy that you had, uh, is changed. And you know, you, battles that you fought five or ten years before just don't, you know, you just don't want to do it again. You've, it's a little bit like Aaron Rodgers in the pocket. You know, you, those linemen, I mean, you you know, you would maybe take that hit when you were 28, but, you know, I'd rather not take that hit. I think I'll just throw it away right now. And, you know, I, you may or may not experience this 10 years from now, but the attitude kind of changes, you know, and it's like, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm kind of sick of the BS and I'm sick of having to fight this and I'm, I'm tired of having to do that. And, you know, I, I would, I would not want to do some of the things that I had to do to get to where I am in my career, I wouldn't want to have to to continue to do them because I did them to get here. Now that I'm at this particular point, I don't have the same kind of interest, energy, and enthusiasm for taking on some of those kinds of challenges and tasks. So that's something that changes along the way too. It's a it's it's a moving target. The way you see the world at at 50, at least in my experience, is different than the way I see it at 60. Yeah. Well, I'll be there soon. And then we can talk about 1670. I wonder if we would still be doing the podcast at that point. You know, that's a good that's a good question. Now, maybe people, if anyone's still listening, will Chris and Dave be doing this podcast ten years from now? It'll In be fact, te- telepathy right to your brain, uh, to your that's your computer that's in your brain. It'll, it'll be a lot easier than Skype ten years from now. You, you know what people are saying? They're probably saying, yes, you'll still be doing this very podcast 10 years from now because you've gone on that long here at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, you took the joke right away from him. That's good Good work. <laughs> All right. Well, what, we'll, we'll wrap it up, and um, Dave and I will talk about this without having you listen to us uh, as we go forward. Because we, we do talk after the podcast. We talk before the podcast. What the heck, you know? Um, so anyway, Packers in Seattle uh, on the docket, 540. Lambeau field time uh, this coming Sunday. Uh, so that's what we got for you this time. Uh, Dave and I have, uh, have made plans to watch the game. I bet you're probably going to watch the game too. So until that time, I'm Chris. I'm Dave. And that's Packers there. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. And that's Packers Therapy.